What's going on, man? Welcome back to the basement. I'm Ron, and we're going to be doing some myth busting today because I see a lot of people out there who pretty much say volume year to year is sticky, efficiency isn't. So chase the volume and pray the efficiency hits. But I think it's a little bit more nuanced than that because if you just chase pure touches, pure opportunities, you blindly walk into profiles like Ezekiel Elliott last year who was pure volume. At that point, we knew that he wasn't the same Zeke that he was, and you spent a top five pick on a running back who gave you 15 points per game. You also had Mike Davis on the Falcons, who was just simply a journeyman running back who, for the first time in his career, was projected for targets and volume in the preseason. Didn't pay off because the talent wasn't there. We saw it with Le'Veon Bell on the Jets. We saw it with Thomas Rawls on the Seahawks when he was getting drafted highly based off of projected volume you saw it with Lamar Miller when he was on the Texans maybe even a little bit when he was in Miami but I remember for a little bit he was like a first second third fourth round pick just based off volume he never paid off so it's very rare for a player to smash ADP based on sure volume alone and we want league winners at the running back position 20 plus points per game a lot of the times you need other factors like efficiency talent offensive scoring not just touches so I think just chasing touches, not worrying about anything else. I think it's the wrong way to go. So I want to break down today why I probably care about talent and efficiency more than any other analyst. I'm out here talking about FPOE, yards per outrunner, maybe not any other analyst, but why efficiency and talent is such a big part of my process and then how we can apply efficiency to the 2022 running backs and gain an edge on our opponents. So with that being said, if you enjoyed the video at any point in time, make sure you go down below, subscribe, leave a like, let's go. All right, now I also want to say at the top, I've been having some mic issues. I'm trying to get it so that the fan doesn't make any noise in the background. This was the highest I could turn the gain so that the air conditioner was a little bit in the background, but my voice wasn't lower because I've been getting some comments that my voice has been lower in these videos let me know give me any of the feedback that you can give me because i need to have my mic sorted by the time this august push comes so i need to really fine tune let me know how this is i think that my voice will be louder but you're probably going to hear more of the fan and let me know what that trade-off is like if it's not a big deal whatever so when we talk about why volume isn't everything let's look at last year and the the metric we're going to be using for volume is weighted opportunities per game i think that is one of the more universally accepted measurements of volume and it's easy to project year to year I, I like expected points more but you can't project a player's expected points based off of his projected touches carries all of that it's a little bit more nuanced than that so it's a little bit more uh elementary to talk about weighted opportunities per game which just takes opportunities so touches and it just weights targets more and when we look at last year and we just filter by weighted opportunity per game these are running backs who had 15 or more we see that Jonathan Taylor and Eckler, the guys who were league winners last year, were fifth and sixth in weighted opportunities per game. They didn't hit their 20-plus point-per-game mark on pure volume. They did it from efficiency. Now, this isn't to say that volume isn't important, right? Because we still have, you know, Alvin Kamara hit 18 points per game with that 19-plus weighted opportunities. We had Najee with 17.7. So you still got, like, top five running back seasons off of pure volume. But... Even with massive volume, you get duds like Dalvin Cook last year, who had 15.9 points per game, even on a ton of volume, even as a player that we thought was really talented. So what I'm saying about this is that volume 
get points us in the right direction, but it's also dangerous, right? We see Dalvin Cook with 15.9. You see David Montgomery with only 14 points per game. Volume, all I'm trying to say, isn't everything. And let's zoom out a little bit because this is a really small sample, but I just wanted to sort of show you guys what it looked like in 2021. If we zoom out since 2017, and I filtered for running backs who had as much or more weighted opportunities than Jonathan Taylor in 2021. Jonathan Taylor was insane last year, super efficient, was just the threshold I wanted to make it, 16.6 weighted opportunities per game or more. And at the top end, right, we're ordering by weighted opportunities per game. Anybody who hits a 20-plus weighted opportunity per game mark hits 20-plus points per game as well outside of Fournette. So when we look at the top, McCaffrey, Le'Veon Bell, Zeke, Saquon, all these guys hit 20-plus points per game outside of Fournette, but that's just one outlier. If you hit 20-plus weighted opportunities per game, you're going to be a high-scoring running back. Now, here's the issue. That would say that if we chase volume, we're going to get the highest scores at the position. The problem is, is that we haven't seen a running back hit 20-plus weighted opportunities per game over a 10-game or more sample since 2019. Bell cow running backs are becoming extinct. Only five running backs last year had at least 70% of their team snapped last season. So we're no longer seeing the world of running backs hitting 20 plus weighted opportunities per game. And when we go past that 20 weighted opportunities per game mark, it gets pretty hit or miss. We're seeing landmines over the years like Le'Veon Bell in uh, 2019, Carlos Hyde in 2019, Carlos Hyde who had 14.8 points per game or 14.6 points per game. On about 17 weighted opportunities, we see the same thing with Le'Veon Bell in that area, Dalvin Cook in that area, you see Zeke Elliott in 2020, you see uh, David Johnson in 2018. You run into a lot of problems, right? When you're chasing volume, after that bell cow mark of like 20 plus, it's no longer a lock that that running back is going to produce a lot of points for fantasy. And we also have guys that didn't have a ton of volume who looked great. We had Eckler and Jonathan Taylor last year. You had Melvin Gordon in 2018, Derrick Henry in 2020. You had Dalvin Cook in 2019. You had even monster ones upwards towards the top with Kamara twice. Kamara with 25 points per game on only 18.7 weighted opportunities per game. So it just goes to show the difference there between running backs with less than 20 weighted opportunities per game. What gets you into that 20 plus point per game area? is not volume, but it's efficiency. So the problem is, is that if we chase volume, we're no longer in an era where volume equals fantasy points because you need to hit a certain threshold for it to equal fantasy points. So if we're no longer seeing running backs hitting 20 plus weighted opportunities per game, they have to make the most out of their touches and be efficient. And that brings us to efficiency and what my favorite efficiency metric is. And that's fantasy points over expected per game. So how much are you outproducing your expected output based on your volume? So based on like 15 carries, a red zone touch, two targets, what's your expected output? And then how much are you exceeding that by? That's fantasy points over expected per game or FPOE per game. And I took the same chart and instead I sorted it by all of these players FPOE per game, right? Same uh, parameters. Every running back has at least 16.6 weighted opportunities per game. And if we look at all of the running backs who hit 2.5 or better fantasy points over expected per game, every single one of them, I believe it's what? 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. 13 of those 14, or no, all of them 
hit 20 plus points per game. I thought that one of them wasn't going to, but all of them hit 20 plus points per game. If you hit a 2.5 FPOE per game with this prerequisite volume, you're hitting 20 plus points per game 100% of the time. So high efficiency seasons are pointing us to the high scores more often than just volume. I also tested the correlation where that also blew my mind. Now, I also want to say, if we look at the running backs who did it, who hit 20 plus points per game without a 2.5 plus FPOE per game, we have Zeke in 2018 at uh, 21.9 points per game. We have Le'Veon Bell in 2017 and we have Ezekiel Elliott in 2017 as well. The crazy part is, is that all three of those guys, the only way that they got to 20 plus points per game was on 20 plus weighted opportunities. So now we sort of see of all of the 20 plus point per game seasons over the last five years since 2017, you either get there with a 2.5 or better fantasy points over expected, or you get there with 20 or more weighted opportunities. And again, weighted opportunities in that 20 plus range are becoming extinct. So we have to sort of zero in on efficiency now. And I also tested the correlation. If you put up FPOE and you see what its correlation to uh, points per game is, and if you see what weighted opportunities correlation is to points per game, we have FPOE with 0.68 R squared. Now R squared, it's on a spectrum of like zero to one. The closer you get to one, the higher the R squared is, the more that correlates, the more predictive that is. FPOE has a 0.68 R squared. It's all on the bottom of this chart. And weighted opportunities has a 0.33. Weighted opportunities are almost double as correlated to fantasy, spoint, to fantasy points as weighted opportunities. Now I will say that's a little bit it's not super surprising because FPOE is more tied to points per game than weighted opportunities. Uh, it might have been better to use expected points per game, but again, we can't project expected points per game uh, in the previous year, if that makes sense. Now, the way I look at running back scoring is it's not efficiency isn't everything and a volume is in volume isn't everything. But I think that you need to look at both because the way that I sort of see running back scoring in the NFL in the modern day is if you hit... 20 plus weighted opportunities per game sure you're shooing to get 20 plus points per game but very rarely are we seeing running backs hit that kind of volume so i think volume kind of sets your your baseline right if you can get like 16 plus weighted opportunities and you're in you're in the mix to hit like 20 plus points per game you need not only the volume the prerequisite volume but you need the efficiency and the talent which unlocks that 20 plus point per game upside so i would say volume kind of sets the floor the baseline and then efficiency is what juices you up to those upside plays and I say talent there because if we look at the running backs that had 2.5 or more FPOE per game over the last five seasons, what is it, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21? Yeah, so last five seasons. And you just look at the names above the red lines here. All of them were like top five, top eight, like elite running backs at their positions in that year, right? Gordon, Kamara, Eckler, Gurley, McCaffrey, Gurley, Taylor last year, McCaffrey. The only one I would say wasn't was James Conner. I think James Conner is the only one that hit a good FPOE mark without having insane talent. Um, but here comes the conundrum because efficiency isn't sticky year to year, but we know efficiency unlocks upside and is more predictive within that given season for fantasy points than volume. The issue is, is that efficiency, it's not sticky. It bounces all over the place year to year and a running backs FPOE per game doesn't follow him year to year with the same stability that volume does for a running back fpoe per game has like a 0.15 r squared whereas volume metrics have 0 0.4 0 0.45 i've seen 0.48 they're much more stable year to year but i kind of reject the idea 
that FPOE or any efficiency metric out there. Now, there are like bad efficiency metrics out there, like juke rate or something like that. Um, but FPOE isn't complete noise. And it's not a metric that can't be applied year to year. I would just call it extremely volatile. And what I mean by that is let's look at Kamara's career real quick. So we have Kamara who's played five years. And these are his outputs in terms of FPOE per game. By the way, his rookie year, insane. 6.6 FPOE per game. I think that might be like the highest mark for a rookie all time. Might even be the highest mark for a running back ever. It's insane what he did that year. 6.6. 3.4, 0 0.5, 6.5, then minus 0 0.6 last year. So when you look at it as a whole, I put the trend line there so you can see the R squared is 0.293. That's not great. But my my theory on fantasy points over expected per game just in my head and just kind of what my gut feeling has been is that, it, again, it's not sticky year to year, but I think it highlights a player's upside. Like it almost the way that I would treat FPOE per game is like it's almost like you're playing pinball and some players have access to, to a wider range of bounce backs, or I guess, I guess it would be like this, like almost like a bouncy ball. Like some players are more bouncy in terms of what kind of heights they can get to, right? With Kamara, we've already seen 6.6 .6 FPOE per game in year one. I think that tells us that he has the talent and the upside for a monster FPOE season at any given time. Now, that doesn't mean he's going to hit 6 that next year, right? He hit 3.4 the next year, then 0 0.6, but I think he's a better bet at I think he's a better bet at running back to hit that kind of mark than a running back who's never hit a 2.5 plus FPOE season or had an elite efficiency season. So we saw the down year in year three, but at this point he was still young. We shouldn't have thought that he was just going to fall off a cliff. We saw what his peak efficiency looked like in year one. 3.4 in year two is still great. It's above that 2.5 threshold that we want. And after year three, he had a legendary season, crazy season, 6.5 FPOE per game. I think like 25 points per game. And we shouldn't have been scared off of that year three. We should have embraced the variance and said, you know what? We've seen him unlock six plus FPOE per game before. He has the efficiency and the talent to do that again. So while again, the previous year's FPOE per game isn't super predictive of that following season, I do truly believe if we look at a player's previous few seasons, we can gauge that upside. We can gauge how high that ceiling is for that bouncy ball to get up to that high FPOE per game. And it shows itself, too, with a guy like Eckler. I would say Eckler, Kamara, Aaron Jones, like the three horsemen of FPOE per game. We look at Aaron Jones as well. Players aren't going to be able to maintain 2.5 plus FPOE per game for their entire career. But again, it bounces back and forth and it shows us that upside. So Eckler already flashed in his first two seasons that he could get close to that 2.5 number we want, right, with 2.4, 2.3. Then he shot up to 4.1 in year three, went down to 0 0.8 in year three four but because he already had two pretty good fpoe seasons in that high of a 4.1 we should have known last year that bouncing up to four plus something in that area 2.5 plus was in his range of outcomes last year which would have unlocked a 20 plus point per game season like we saw so again just because he didn't hit it in year four it's not to say okay he can't do it this year but we've seen him do it before he has the upside to hit that high FPOE per game that not a lot of other running backs have access to. So the whole idea here is that once a player shows he can hit that 2.5 plus FPOE per game mark early on, we shouldn't rule out a monster FPOE season from that running back in the future, even if they're coming off a down year, because we know it's not sticky year to year. But I think over an entire sample, we see what the upside looks like 
earlier on. Now here comes the tricky part. Age, right? What do we talk? What if we're talking about a young player who hasn't shown their ceiling yet, and they're only in year two, right? Not every player just comes in and puts up a six point six FPOE per game like Kamara did. But I think at that point, you just have to embrace the uncertainty with running backs that are that young. So here I brought up the 14 running backs since 2017 with 6.6 plus weighted opportunities per game, who also hit a 2.5 plus FPOE per game. We have 14 running backs. Nine of them put up a 2.5 or better FPOE per game or better in their previous three seasons. So at that point, they already highlighted their upside. Now, we have five other running backs. We have Dalvin Cook, Melvin Gordon, McCaffrey, James Conner, and Saquon Barkley. Of those five running backs, four of them were in their first three seasons. So Dalvin Cook was in his third season in 2019, McCaffrey in his second season in 2018, Conner in his second season in 2018, Saquon in his first season in 2018. All we have is Melvin Gordon in the sample who wasn't at least young or had shown the efficiency yet. Melvin Gordon, insane outlier, hit a 6.7 FPOE per game in 2018 out of nowhere so i would say 13 out of 14 is pretty good where it seems like it's not an exact science but it does seem like if you want to find that next 20 plus point per game season which we know we need a 2.5 plus fpoe per game if you want to find a 2.5 plus fpoe per game season it usually comes from a player or a running back who was in their first three years with the requisite volume or they've shown they can hit 2.5 plus fpoe per game or better in the previous three years so again that's what we're looking for that's a two-pronged part of this is that we're looking for running backs who are in their first three years or they've shown the efficiency in the recent three years now we have the other side of the age spectrum which is still shaky i don't think that there's anything you can really get concrete from this info but we have two running backs since 2017 to hit 16.6 weighted opportunities per game or more both of them had negative FPOE per game. So running backs in year six or more, right? So that's McCoy, Le'Veon Bell here. It's tough to say because it's only a two-player sample. But as we get older, it's hard to replicate the efficiency that the running back has had earlier in their career. I think that that is kind of intuitive. We know that that's the case at the running back position. So once we get to year six plus, that's when we should get a little bit wary of, hey, can this running back still hit a spike efficiency season even though they're getting older. So now we have all of that locked in place where we no longer have running backs getting the volume to hit 20 plus points per game purely on volume. We need to have 2.5 or better FPOE per game. And if we have 2.5 FPOE better per game, it's coming from players who have done it in the previous three years or are in their first three years of their career. So how do we apply this to 2022? So I took Mike Clay's projections, rounded up all of the top running backs and weighted opportunities per game for 2022 and it spit out the players who qualified for 16.6 plus weighted opportunities per game and i gave running backs a yes or a no based on if they're either in their first three years or if they have hit a 2.5 plus fpoe per game over their last three seasons again we know 2.5 plus fpoe is the best bet for hitting a 20 plus point per game season because we don't see bell cows anymore now obviously these aren't set in stone they're just Kind of for the, the sake of the video and the sake of this theory, we can, of course, always have, you know, football is very random. We can have a Melvin Gordon efficiency spike season out of nowhere. But again, 13 of those 14 running backs hit two of these or one or two of these indicators. And when we look at this group of running backs, it's honestly a little bit of a bummer. I wanted it to kind of poke holes in a little bit more of these running backs. We'll go through 
uh, all of them and kind of what this data says about them, but all of these running backs check either box besides Saquon. Saquon's heading into year five, and he's only hit a high of 1.2 FPOE per game over the last three years. I put an asterisk, though, because he's dealt with injuries pretty much all three of those years, and he hit a 2.5 FPOE as a rookie. I will say this exercise was still pretty sobering where I've been very much on top of Saquon this year. But when you look at this chart, he hasn't shown that he's efficient recently and he's not young anymore. You can cling to that 2.5 FPOE that he that he had as a rookie. I still will be doing that as well. I'm still in on Saquon. But if you're not in on Saquon, this is something that can kind of, you know, be something in your toolbox for that claim but again it is something to I, I think it's just something sobering with Saquon I know some people out there have Saquon as like their RB3 I have him I think like RB6 right now I'll have him right in that area now when we look at the rest of the running backs we have McCaffrey at top or McCaffrey at the top who is the only running back we can project for 20 plus weighted opportunities which means he should get there to that 20 plus point per game mark regardless of his efficiency even though we know that he has shown efficiency a six FPOE per game he showed in 2020 I think it was actually 2019, now that I think about it. Then we have, I would say, sort of the old heads that have shown efficiency, which is Eckler, Kamara, Derrick Henry, Dalvin Cook. And here's the issue here. Again, we don't have a big sample of running backs who have gotten the volume that you need to get to 20-plus points per game while also being in year six or later. All of them are going into year six, Derrick Henry going into year seven. That's an area we've seen efficiency drop off. I would be cautious with all of them, but I would be most cautious with Derrick Henry and Dalvin Cook. Those are my those would be my bets to see an efficiency drop or health drop, anything like that. Dalvin Cook had his worst FPOE year, like the last three years last year, and Derrick Henry is coming off of a major injury. It's something to think about with both of them. Um, it's even something to think about with Eckler and Kamara, but Eckler and Kamara are guys who can catch passes. They have a lot. Because they catch passes and they're not taking as many uh, carries between the tackles, they don't have as much mileage as those guys. I think that Eckler and Kamara both kind of lend themselves to lasting longer just because of their skill set. Now, it's also interesting when we look at uh, Mike Clay's projected weighted opportunities per game because we said earlier Eckler and JT didn't have a ton of volume last year. Eckler had, I want to say, uh, like 16.6 uh, or no, like 16.8 weighted opportunities per game, JT hovered around 16.5. Clay has them both in the 18-plus area. He has Eckler at 18.2, Taylor at 18.4. So even if you think that Eckler or JT can improve on their efficiency last year, they're due to have a pretty big bump in volume, which is really interesting. They both hit 21-plus point-per-game marks last year. If they stay efficient, you know, 2.5-plus FPOE per game, and they have this kind of weighted opportunity, both of them are in for big seasons again. So that's actually something that I've been a little bit off of Eckler, but if we can project him for 18.2, Weighted opportunities per game, you know, the fourth most weighted opportunities in the NFL. That makes him even more interesting because we saw him pay off last year with less volume and we know he can hit the efficiency spikes. Now, then we have two running backs I would put in their own area of Swift and Najee where we haven't seen the efficiency yet, but they're young enough in their careers that there's uncertainty there that we could see them make a jump. And personally, when we talk about 20 plus point per game seasons, I'm more confident that Swift gets there. He already hit 2.2 FPOE in his rookie year on an awful Lions team. This year, he's slated to get the uh, weighted opportunity. And if he hits 2.53, 3.54 FPOE, he's getting there, especially because he has a uh, receiving skill set, 
he could see more touchdowns on this offense, all of that. I'm a little bit shaky on Najee because, again, he's going into year two, so you can talk yourself into, okay, he's young, he has uncertainty, he can hit it. The issue is that he's still on a bad team, the same team that he got a minus one FPOE on. He's not explosive at all. He doesn't have breakaway runs. You can't, again, you can't rule out an uh, efficiency spike season from him, from him because it is so early in his career, but it's tough. I will say that the other out for Najee that's actually interesting is he's second in weighted opportunities with 19, and it would be really tough for him to get to 20, but he's the next best bet outside of McCaffrey to actually hit a 20-plus opportunity per game mark, which, as we know, if you get to that 20-plus mark, you don't need efficiency to get to that 20-plus point-per-game area. So we'll see. I almost doubt it. He didn't hit it last year, and I don't think that he's going to get more volume than he did last year. We'll see. It's in his range. Uh, but yeah, now I will say a little bit of a letdown. I wanted to get a little bit more of actionable uh content out of these top running backs but i think i broke them down pretty well from this lens but i also wanted to zoom out a little bit more and look at the rest of mike clay's top 30 running backs in weighted opportunities per game now again it's worth mentioning the thesis of this entire video is that you need the prerequisite of 16.6 weighted opportunities per game already to get to 20 plus points per game but it's also still worth noting with these guys who's likely or, and who isn't likely to have spike efficiency seasons based on their age, based on their previous efficiency, because if a player plays well and plays efficiently, and if efficiency shows talent and you have talent, you can earn more touches that way. So all of these players aren't projected for the prerequisite volume that we want, but they can all play themselves into a bigger role, at least for the most part. And this is a little bit more juicy, where we have a lot of yeses and we have a lot of noes. Um, I want to get Aaron Jones out of the way off the top, though. Uh, he's in that same bucket of Eckler and Kamara for me where he's seen monster efficiency before he's spiked at 4.1 FPOE. He is in year six, but again, he has that receiving skill set. doesn't have to take the between the tackles carries like an AJ Dillon does. Uh, it's a little bit more favorable, I guess would be the right word. Now the guys who don't look great here are Fournette and Mixon. And this is a big reason why I'm lower than consensus on Fournette and Mixon through five years. Neither of them have, even cracked two plus FPOE per game. Neither of them have cracked a 20 plus point per game season. I don't feel like they have a 20 plus point per game ceiling that I would like from my running backs. If I'm spending on Mixon, what a one, two turn pick and on Fournette, a mid to late second. And it's also why I like Connor more than consensus. We look at James, uh, James Connor. I think he belongs in the mix with guys like Mixon and Fournette where yes, he had a 3.8 FPOE season last year. And that's massive, but I think a lot of you guys are going to point to, okay, he got really touchdown lucky last year. Here's the thing about James Conner that people don't respect. People don't put respect on James Conner's name. 3.8 FPOE per game last year, and if you want to disregard that for touchdown luck, he had a 2.6 FPOE per game in his second year, and he had a 2.4 FPOE in his year three. That He has three individual seasons with higher FPOE per game than Fournette and Mixon have in their five-year careers. On top of that, James Conner has already hit a 20-plus point-per-game season in 2018. I think he's as good of a bet as any of those guys to hit 20-plus point-per-game. He's been more efficient, he's flashed more upside, and you get him at a cheaper price tag. So that's why I'm kind of in on James Conner in 2022. Again, I, I've heard people say he needs touchdowns to pay off. He didn't need a, a crazy amount of touchdowns to hit those FPOE marks in his first three seasons. And he's going to be the goal line back anyways on a team that's going to run a ton of plays and uh, be on the goal line a ton, all of that. Now, as we go down the list, 
I'm kind of just going to break these guys off into little areas that I like. First, we'll talk about the young running backs, where we have Akers, Javante, Brees Hall, ETN, all guys in that 13.5 plus weighted opportunity per game area that qualify for this list or qualify for 2.5 plus FPOE per game just because they're young. But all of them are in line for solid volume. They're all upside swings I want to take. Now, the interesting ones that are iffy, I would say all of those guys are smashes just because at this point, they're young, they have upside. Someone like Akers is in a great offense. Same thing with Javante. Uh, ETN is the pass catching upside. And then Brees Hall is just a complete uh, mystery box. But he's drawing live to hit efficiency as soon as you're one just based off of talent. Now, the next guys that are shakier, that are technically qualifiers because of their age, uh, because of their they're in their first three years, we have Elijah Mitchell, Antonio Gibson, J.K. Dobbins, and Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Again, they got that yes tag, not because they've hit the FPOE per game, but because they're in their first three years. Now, Elijah Mitchell is actually sort of interesting. Going into year two, he had 2.3 FPOE per game last year, and now he gets Trey Lance, who should even spike that efficiency even more because he's a rushing quarterback. We see rushing quarterbacks all the time spike running back efficiency. If you look down to J.K. Dobbins, he hit 3.3 FPOE per game in his rookie year because when you share the field with Lamar Jackson, that's what happens. I think the same thing is going to happen with Trey Lance. The issue for Elijah Mitchell is going to be stranglehold on the touches. There's a chance that Ty Davis Price digs into some things. There's a chance that uh, Jeff Wilson digs into some things. Even Trey Sermon is a threat. And on top of that, he didn't have any pass catching upside last year, only 20 targets. And with Trey Lance taking a lot of uh, rushes and not checking the ball down a ton, I think Elijah Mitchell's biggest concern, I don't think that he has 16 plus, 15.5 plus weighted opportunities per game in his range. So that's going to be the issue for Elijah Mitchell. I actually think he's going to be really efficient. I think the problem is, is going to be commanding enough volume to be a difference maker. I think that he's probably going to be efficient, but still hover around 15 points per game. Uh, but if you believe that he can, you know, get, what, 18 carries per game, something like that, then I guess he's fine at his price. Then we have Antonio Gibson, who I'm coming around on slightly. Going into year three, he's already fa- he's already flashed a 2.7 FPOE per game in his first year. Had a down year last year, but you can kind of make that similar parallel to a guy like Kamara, to a guy like Eckler, where in 2019, Eckler, uh, Kamara had his down year smashed in 2020. Eckler had his down year in 2020, or yeah, 2020, smashed in 2021. Something similar could happen here for Gibson. Now, Gibson never flashed the kind of upside that Eckler or Kamara did, where Eckler was like a four-plus guy. Uh, Kamara was a six-plus guy as soon as year one. But again, I'm just highlighting the, the idea that he showed the ceiling in year one and in terms of FPOE, and because of that, he could bounce back up. Now, the upside case is there, right? He has juice, he has athleticism, he has pass-catching upside. The issue is, and the reason why I still haven't drafted a ton of him, is he's dealing with the hamstring injury, which is a big no-no. He was dealing with the shin injury last year, and he sucked. And he's in a crowded backfield, right? They bring in Brian Robinson. They beg McKissick not to go to the Bills. That's an issue. But if the price comes down like another round, if we get some of these uh, negative reports out of camp where, like, Brian Robinson's going to be mixing in, then at that point, like, seventh round, eighth round, Antonio Gibson – I have to take again he's the the profile that we like we've seen him hit 2.5 fpoe and if mckissick if brian robinson go down and he now is in the 16.6 plus weighted opportunities per game club because of an injury in his backfield 
Gibson can give you 20 plus points per game coming from a player that you draft in like the seventh or eighth round. So that's why he becomes interesting for me. Again, I'm not drafting a ton of him, but there is a path there. I think it's, I think it's probably foolish to uh, just look at Brian Robinson and JD McKissick, two running backs who aren't even all that talented and just say Antonio Gibson isn't worth drafting at all whatsoever. He is the profile that we like. Um, after that, we have Dobbins who it sucks that he has an ACL injury he's coming off of. It seems like he might not even be ready for week one, and that's why I'm off him. But if he was coming into the season healthy, he's interesting. He hit 3.3 FPOE per game as a rookie. That's the Lamar Jackson effect, of course. The issue for him is going to be similar to Elijah Mitchell, where if you're in an offense with a rushing quarterback, it's going to be really tough to hit that prerequisite volume in that 16.5-plus weighted opportunities range. But you can talk yourself into the idea that he's talented enough to get there. It's really just an injury uh, thing for me. If he, if, if it seems like he's going to play week one, I think I'll be on Dobbins at price because I do think that he is that talented to hit like a 2.5 plus FPOE per game. I want to say that uh, JT was at like 2.9 as a rookie. So Dobbins at 3.3 is definitely really impressive. Again, it's just a health thing with Dobbins and in, and if he can get enough volume from Lamar Jackson and he's on a pass catching back either. So it's going to be hard for him to get to that bo- that volume number. Then we have, again, with these young running backs, we have Clyde Edwards-Alaire all the way at the bottom. He's projected for 11.1 opportunities per game. So he's going to need that to go up. But again, I mean, he's only competing with Jarek McKinnon and Ronald Jones, two running backs who aren't workhorses, aren't bell cows. As much as I love Ronald Jones, I think it's not crazy hard to see how Clyde Edwards-Alaire could just not be the bell cow in this backfield, but, you know, get the touches he needs to get to the weighted opportunities. And he flashed, I mean, 1.8 FPOE per game as a rookie, or no, he actually had 1.8 FPOE per game last season, which wasn't bad. Uh, It doesn't flash the kind of upside that we're looking for. He's the one where he technically qualifies going into year three, but he's also like Najee where I'm not sure that he's talented or explosive enough. You can bank on the fact that he's just on the Chiefs and maybe that's enough, right? He'll get the touchdowns, he'll get all of that from the Chiefs. So it's in his range. And I respect the upside with a guy like Clyde Edwards-Alaire, but it's very tough for me to say that he is someone I want to be drafting. Then we have, in terms of guys that we can rule out pretty easily, are these like 15-point-per-game inefficient plotters. You have David Montgomery, who David Montgomery, through his first three seasons, has a 0.8 FPOE per game as his high. His, his team isn't getting any better. Justin Fields is going to take stuff away from him. I also think that this running back uh, room could be a committee with them bringing in uh, a new coaching staff, all of that. I would also put... Again, I'd put Ezekiel Elliott in there where he hasn't shown the efficiency recently. I think that his touches are only going to decline with Tony Pollard showing off his efficiency. And then we have Josh Jacobs, who I'm slightly hesitant to put him in that same bucket as David Montgomery and Ezekiel Elliott, even though he's projected for less volume at 13.7. I'm hesitant because of the offense. I think it's going to be better with Devontae Adams. But the issue is that it seems like there's some reports that the new staff with McDaniels doesn't want to give him workhorse touches. A lot of talk about Kenyon Drake. A lot of talk about this being committee with Zamir White, Brandon Bolden. So he might get squeezed out of touches and then also not be efficient. So he's also somebody uh, was a bit sobering to read this. Now, Chubb stands out. He has the highest FPOE per game in the previous three seasons of all of these guys. And we have some talented running backs here like Aaron Jones. He's hit a 4.6 in the last three years. Chubb has the talent and the efficiency to have a 20-plus point-per-game season. Really, the issue is for Chubb is always going to be volume. He's only projected for 13.4 weighted opportunities per game. The minute that you can project Nick Chubb for 16.5 or more weighted opportunities per game, he's arguably a top-five running back for fantasy. The minute that Kareem Hunt gets traded, if he gets traded, if he gets cut or anything, 
I think I'll actually be higher than consensus on Nick Chubb. I'll have Nick Chubb as like a top five guy. Right now, I'm underweight just because with the volume that he's slated for, it's tough to have him projected for that 20-plus point per game ceiling. With his touches sort of getting squeezed, he's just in that 15, 16, 17 point per game area, which does suck. Now, I also put Kareem Hunt in that Chubb area where Kareem Hunt towards the bottom, he's not projected for a ton of volume, but he's hit a 2.7 FPOE per game in his last three years. He's hit some, some crazy ones early on in his career. He has that upside as well, in my opinion, the minute that you can project him for meaningful uh, volume. Then we have Cordero Patterson. I'd say Patterson's also pretty clearly, like I would say uh, Zeke and David Montgomery are those Le'Veon Bell, Carlos Hyde type plotters. I would put Patterson in there as well, where he's kind of like a Mike Davis last year, where he's on the Falcons. He broke out, had his uh, had a career year last year where he was age 30 and in year nine. I don't think he repeats. I don't think he's going to get the volume. I don't think he'll be efficient. Uh, he's not a play that I like going after. Also, they lost Calvin Ridley. They lost Russell Gage. I think he plays more true wide receiver than true running back. Not a huge fan of Patterson. Then we have Miles Sanders and Devin Singletary, who are our last two no's on this list, where I don't think either of them really have 20-plus point per game upside, but I also don't mind either at cost when you can get them in like the 8th, ninth round, because you don't really need 20-plus points per game for them to pay off anyways. I think that they're just going to get there on uh, a high-scoring offense, where Sanders will have the Eagles kind of having A.J. Brown's efficiency, Dallas Goddard's efficiency, plus the rushing efficiency that he'll benefit from with the Jalen Hurts in that backfield. Uh, Singletary more straightforward where the Bills will just score a ton of points so he's somewhat interesting there and then the last guy we'll talk about is Rashad Penny Rashad Penny's interesting because he showed the efficiency spike last year but again we know that year to year it's not sticky so I wouldn't expect him to hit 2.5 plus again this year uh, they also added Kenneth Walker I think that it's gonna be tough for him to hit 16.6 plus weighted opportunities per game now again we don't need him to hit 20 plus points per game but he has no pass catching this isn't a team that's going to throw the ball a ton. They're going to be in uh, a throw the ball a ton to their running backs. They're going to be in negative game scripts. It's just not a great situation. I've cooled off on Rashad Penny and Kenneth Walker, even though I think both guys uh, are drawing live for efficient seasons, but I think they're going to eat each other's workload. There's not going to be enough pass catching for either of them. It's going to be on a bad team. It's just not appealing when you have guys like Chase Edmonds and uh, Ramondre Stevenson in that area. So I think that that was a good, I don't know if I want to call that a case study or uh what I want to call that, but I think that that was a good bit of research just to kind of, I just want to give you guys a different perspective on how kind of I look at the running back position and why I do care about efficiency and talent more than most. Now, before we end this video, if you enjoyed it, make sure you go down below, subscribe, leave a like, and if you want access to the basement merch giveaway, I'll put that link down below in the comments. All you have to do is use promo code Ron on underdog, fill out this Google form, and comment on any YouTube video and it'll put you in there. I'm telling you guys, I have like 15 shirts to give away. I don't even have that many responses at this point. If you respond to the Google form and I have your size, you're most likely getting a shirt. So if you want to fill that out, that'll be down below. I'm actually going to grab a shirt right now just to sort of show it off. Hold on. All right. I still have the sticker on because again, these aren't open. These haven't been worn. And then you look at the back. That's the cool spot. The basement. It's me. It's Winnie, my dog next to me. And again, I know, you, I know we're all fantasy football fans, but it was important to me to have a shirt that like looks cool that you could wear out without it saying, like, I love fantasy football all over it. Um, but yeah, so that's going to be down below. As always, if you enjoyed, make sure you go down below. We already said this, but subscribe, leave a like, 
and I will see you guys in the next one. I got the juice, I got the juice. Channel, Adam's on. Foolies, glad I'm on. Even my haters kind of glad I'm on. Rest in peace to my vagabond. Rapper, song, singer, suspended, subpoena from Mr.